Hello, ladies. Um, My name is Kristen Hoff, um, and I have the great joy to be here with y'all today. Um, So the hardest part for me getting ready for this lesson was actually the introduction. Um, So I was at the table the other day wrestling with this, trying to figure out, should it be funny? Should I give a lot of information? How much do you need to know? How much do you need to hear? Um, And my nine-year-old was sitting there with me, and he came up to me. He goes, Mom, all you got to say is, hi, my name is Kristen Hoff. I have a husband. I live in a house. I have two kids. I have a cat and three dogs. Um, So there you have it. My name is Kristen Hoff, and I am a member of the Women in the Word teaching team, um, and that's what you need to know. Um, If I were to add one more thing to his list, though, I would tell you that um, I love God's Word, and I love studying it, and I can't wait to dive into it today with y'all. So today we're studying Psalm 96. It is a millennial psalm because it points to the time period in which Christ will come back and reign here on earth. The author is unknown, but like many of the psalms that don't have a written author or a known author, um, several people believe that it's David. Um, I kind of think they just look at it and say, hmm, we don't know who wrote this one. It had to have been David. Um, What we do know, though, is while we don't know that he is the author, he does quote it in 1 Chronicles 16. So this is a period of time when the Ark of the Covenant is being brought into Jerusalem. At the end of the time of Judges, there was a battle, and during that battle, the Ark was captured by the Philistines during this battle. This was right before the death of the judge, Eli. The capture of the Ark was a huge loss for the Israelites. It wasn't just a symbol to them. It was where God's presence resided, and it was a huge part of their worship. The ark with his presence is what led them through the wilderness into the promised land. The ark stayed with the Philistines for about seven months, and each city that it was in suffered death and destruction. Um, So naturally, they decided they didn't want it anymore, and they would just give it back. When the ark came back to the Israelites, they placed it in a house in Kirath, Jerem, under the care of Eliezer, and it stayed there until David came to the throne. David had a huge desire to bring the ark back to Jerusalem, into Jerusalem, and he took great care to prepare the city. There he pitched a tent for the ark so that they could restore fellowship with God. On the day that the ark was brought into Jerusalem, David brought the people together to sing and feast and offer sacrifices in honor of God. Psalm 96 was one of the psalms that was either read or sung on that day. Something else I found interesting was it was also during this celebration that David appointed Asaph as chief minister of worship before the ark. Asaph writes several of the Psalms, um, some of which we have already studied this spring and some we will study in a little bit. More recently, Psalm 96 has been used as part of the Jewish worship service, Kabbalat Shabbat, which means to welcome the Sabbath or a reception for the Sabbath. Some congregations actually still uh, observe this service today. So the Sabbath is from Friday evening at sundown until Saturday evening at sundown. Before nightfall and before the Sabbath has begun, after all of their work has been completed, the ceremony begins and leads into the Friday evening service. 
Psalm 96 is one of six psalms read during this service. Each psalm coordinates or corresponds with the six days of creation. The ceremony is a way to prepare their hearts for the Sabbath. Psalm 96 is a great one for this because it is all about the worship of God. And it focuses on what God has done for us, on who he is, and his promised return. What an awesome psalm to ponder as you're preparing for the Sabbath and on resting in God on that day. So Webster has two definitions of worship, um, and I didn't like them by themselves, so I thought they sounded better when they combined together. Worship is to show reverence and regard with great or extravagant respect and honor. So with that in mind, let's begin reading in verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. This psalm starts off with sing to the Lord. In fact, three times the writer calls us to sing to the Lord. The psalms were written as poetry, and oftentimes they use repetition to draw us to certain points or to emphasize an idea. The writer of this psalm is excited and joyful about the Lord, and he wants everybody around him to feel that same joy. He writes, sing to the Lord a new song. We need to be looking for ways to daily praise God for what he is doing in our lives. Look at Lamentations 3 on your verse sheet. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's love is never ceasing, and his mercies are new for us every morning. This is a great promise for us to hold on to. And it also is a reminder to us that he will never stop blessing us and giving us these new mercies. So we should never stop praising him. Um, During Christmas, I saw a video that another church made that really stood out to me. In this video, um, you see a bed and it has two very long wrapped packages in it. Um, And one of the packages all of a sudden rips open and the dad pops out. Um, And he starts immediately exclaiming about how great it is that he is alive. He made it. You know, all of these things. And his great excitement wakes up the package beside him. And his wife all of a sudden pops out of the wrapping paper. Um, And he begins being excited again that his wife is awake and she's there and she's with him and everything through his morning that day um, is wrapped in a perfect little package with a bow. His cereal, his coffee, um, I loved him poking the hole in it to try to drink the coffee. Um, His briefcase, he's excited and praising God that he has work. His car, everything. Um, And the whole video is silly and it makes you laugh and it was fun to watch. But the idea of the video is we are blessed with so much. Yet we take for granted all of the things around us and the ways that God blesses us each day. When we aren't looking for ways to praise God, we take his blessings for granted. Or we might even miss them and not see them where he's working. A few years ago, I was helped to, asked to help with praise at West Campus. Um, 
That was not something I felt very comfortable doing. I was just a little bit terrified. Um, and really, more of it was I was worried I wouldn't be able to come up with anything to praise for. Um, but I learned that the more I got up there and the more I got to share my praises each week, despite how crazy life was, it was easier and easier. In fact, it became a little bit harder because my list was so long. I could see those praises and easily see them. Um, the more we praise and the more of God's blessings we notice. God is working in our lives every day, and his mercies are new every morning. We should be looking for them. Next, the writer tells us to sing to the Lord all the earth. Our praises are not meant to be hidden. I feel like this is something that I have been reminded of a lot this spring. God works, and his blessings are meant for us to share with those around us in all corners of the world. And we have so many opportunities where we can do that now. And we have social media where you can post and praise about something that God has done for you quickly. Um, a friend of mine recently had a very sick child, and throughout their journey of her illness, um, she would blog about it, and it was good to see the updates on her little girl, but it was also a huge testimony to who God is and his character throughout that journey. And we never know by the praises that we get to share who we can encourage in that. You never know who might be in the same situation that I am and needs that encouragement to see God working. God's plan from the beginning also was not just for the Israelites to be saved. Israelites were his chosen people, but it was through them that the whole earth is blessed. Look at what God promised Abraham in Genesis on your verse sheet. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give your offspring all these lands. In your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Sharing praises not only encourages those around us, but it spreads God's word and tells of his goodness. Lastly, we see here, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. We are called to daily give new praises to God and to tell of his salvation. The Israelites had to daily and yearly make sacrifices to atone for their sins. But on this side of Christ, we have been given, I mean, we have been covered by the ultimate sacrifice. Romans 8 tells us this, that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is something to sing about. That's huge. That is something that we never have to go daily and do every day because we have been covered forever by Christ's blood and are forgiven. When we make this declaration that God gave us his son for us and share his name, we bring God glory. We get to be the mouthpiece that testifies to that goodness and to all of those around us of who God is. The writer gives us another reason to praise God and share his name. So look with me now in verse 4 of Psalm 96. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all the gods. For all gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Our God is great and he alone is creator. 
Now, it's too bad that we don't all speak Hebrew because the writer uses a play on words in this section. The Hebrew word for gods in verse 4 is Elohim, and the word for worthless idols is Elihim, which is one letter difference. Um, It might better read for us, those mighty beings you serve are mighty useless. The Israelites were surrounded by other nations that served other gods, much like we are today. The psalmist is calling for us to warn them against those false gods and idols. Isaiah says this. Um, Here he's talking about the trees from the forest. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. God alone is the creator, and all idols man makes are worthless. Since God created everything, it doesn't make sense for man to take something that God created, fashion it as an idol, and then worship it in place of him, God the creator. Isaiah also points out that in this case of the carpenter, he used the wood for warmth, and then he used it to bake his bread, and then he used part of it to worship. What makes any one part of that tree more special than the other? Nothing. Yet, as silly as it sounds, it's not hard for us to fall into that same trap. We, um, or I, often let things like my spouse or our kids, maybe it's our time or our money, whatever it is, these things slip in and eventually we put their value over God. That's when we cross that line into worshiping those things or those people instead of God. Look at verse 6 with me. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. The writer is inviting us and those around him to look to God and what an awesome sight they see. That word sanctuary to me always brings about that feeling of being safe or protected. Um, Can that be said of anything else that we would put our trust in but God? Um, Definitely not in the long run. Instead, we should focus on the creator who is worthy. Psalms 145 says it this way. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. The writer of Psalm 96 saw value in sharing God's word and excitedly shared it with those around him. This can seem very intimidating, um, but in reality, we do it all the time with the things that we value. It usually sounds maybe something like this. Let me tell you about the new vacuum I got. It's amazing. It picks up things that I have never, ever gotten to pick up off my floor. You would have thought I had never actually vacuumed before. And I know we have all called a friend or a girlfriend, a mother, a sister, and we've had this conversation. Let me tell you about this new thing I found. Let me tell you about this. Um, those things are easy, but when it comes to sharing our faith, it gets hard. But focusing on and praising God wants, it helps us want to share with Him, I mean, with others, um, and let them know how He is alive and working. So maybe we should say something like this. 
let me tell you what God has done in my life lately. Let me tell you how he is so good. He helped me to get a good night's sleep last night. Um, he helped my husband and I with this decision we were work wrestling with, with about work. He loved me when I felt unlovable. He did things for me and cared for me when I thought nobody else could. Our songs of praise are a testimony to God's splendor and majesty. They are meant to be shared. So read with me now, starting in verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So in this section, we see the psalmist again using repetition. He mirrors the three times that he called us to sing to the Lord, with three times telling us to ascribe or to give to the Lord. And while the beginning of this psalm uh, focused on us sharing as individuals, this portion directs us into worship as a community of believers. As tribes or as families, we are called to come into his courts and give to the Lord. So all of those people that you're planning on telling about and God's praises, you're now going to invite them in to worship with you. In the temple the Israelite, where the Israelites worshipped, there was an outer court um, on the outside of the temple. The Gentiles could come and worship God there, but they were not allowed into the inner courts. But because of Jesus, we no longer have any restrictions on coming before God and worshiping him. Ephesians 2 references this. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you no longer are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God desires us to fellowship and worship together. Now, as members of the household of God, we get to come together and give God glory and strength. So what does it mean to give God glory and strength? Um, because if I'm giving God glory or strength from my ability, it's not going to be very much. Um, what it means to give God glory and strength is we study his character. We look to who he is. We look to his promises. What do we know to be true about him? Just from this psalm, we see that he is creator. He is worthy. He is a savior. He is holy. And that list does not even begin to describe who God is. Studying his character helps us to see him and give him glory. Verse 8 also mentions bringing offerings before the Lord. The Hebrew word used here is the word usually meant for a bloodless offering or a thank offering. A thank offering was one given, an acknowledgement of God's divine blessing. We are called to worship God through our offerings. Hebrews 13 on your verse sheet says this, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 
So there are two sacrifices or offerings mentioned here. The first sacrifice of praise is a sacrifice of praise to God. The second is sharing what we have. Both are pleasing to God. And the offerings that we might share, um, they might be monetary, but they also might be the time that we have and we spend uh, teaching a Sunday school class on Sunday morning. It might be taking dinner to a sick friend or any number of things. It's not necessarily the gift or the offering that you bring, but it's our hearts. It's an act of worship, praising God for his provision. I loved when we studied the tabernacle, that everything that God commanded the Israelites to give in order to build and do the construction, um, he already had given them when they came out of Egypt. Everything we bring to God, he has already given to us. And when we do, we give glory, give him the glory, do his name. Read verse nine with me. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The psalmist bookends these first two sections of the psalm with us turning our eyes to the splendor of God. In verse 6, we see the majesty and strength and beauty of coming before him. And here in verse 9, we recognize his holy, his holiness, and see that all tremble before him. What a beautiful picture of worship that we first come into his sanctuary, we look to who he is, we look at his character, and the end result is awe and trembling before him. Our gifts of worship, worship give God glory and help us to reflect on his holiness. Now read with me starting in verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The Lord reigns. What a glorious thing to be able to proclaim. And notice that this is not a future statement. This is written in the present tense. Look at Ephesians 1 on your verse sheet. Um, Paul is talking here about the immeasurable greatness um, from God that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This tells us that once Christ conquered death, God put him at his right hand, and there he is ruling until he comes back here to rule on earth. Notice what the writer says next. Not only is the Lord reigning, but the world is established and it will never be moved. I definitely cannot say that about our world today. In a world that is filled with hopelessness and destruction, what joy to know that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Read Hebrews 12 with me on your verse sheet. 
Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. There is confidence in knowing that God's kingdom cannot be shaken. And that brings us hope and assurance, something we can't always get from our earthly rulers. But it is a promise that we can hold on to, we can draw encouragement from, and we can worship God for. Now, up until this point of the psalm, everything has been written in the present tense. From here to the end, it is written in the future tense. And that's because it's pointing us to the period of time when Christ comes back to rule here on earth. Christ's rule will bring both judgment and peace for all of creation. Now, like also, there's just a little bit debate, depending on which commentary you read, on what this judgment was. Um, from most that I read and what I believe is that this judgment is in reference to how Christ will rule while he is here on earth um, and not the end time judgments. Either way, we can take hope and know that there is no need to fear judgment because he is an equitable or fair and righteous judge. Now, when I think of a judge, um, I picture a courtroom and I feel a little bit nervous, maybe a little intimidated. Um, and as fair as our judges try to be, they can only interpret the law based on their knowledge of what the law says and about, uh, based upon the evidence that they have presented before them. Christ can truly be a fair judge because he doesn't have to interpret his commands. He said them, he wrote them. Um, he doesn't have to look at whatever evidence may or may not all be presented before him because he knows our hearts. He knows our actions. He is our true, fair judge. Um, I love what Micah tells us will happen when the people come before Christ to reign. So look at your verse sheet with me. He says, He, meaning Christ, shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. When Christ judges in his kingdom, it will bring peace and rejoicing for all creation. Ever since the fall of man, sin has put creation under bondage. But during Christ's earthly reign, these bonds will be broken. Romans 8 tells us that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Just imagine what it will look like to see fields full of flowers stretched up, praising God. Um, the trees will be singing. I tried in my mind over and over to picture what this would look like. Do they say words? Is it the sound through the, of the wind through their leaves? Um, I have no idea, and I can't wait to see it. And there is so much that we can try to imagine, but we will have to be there, and we will be there to see it. Part of the joy and anticipation is getting to imagine what it will be like when Christ is here with us. So my husband travels quite a bit for his job. 
Um, he's typically gone for about a week at a time, but it is not unheard of for him to take a two-plus-week trip. Um, and I actually kind of really miss him when he's gone, um, like a lot. Uh, and my boys do too, and that's probably a good thing. It's never gotten easy, and he's done this for a long time. Um, but while he's gone, we count down. Um, and since he's been doing this for a long time, we count down like toddlers do. Um, we have 10 more sleeps before dad gets home. And then it's, we have eight more sleeps before dad gets home, and so on until it's one more sleep before dad gets home. Um, and my favorite thing in the whole wide world is when I get the text message that says, landed, I'll be home in about an hour. We, the church, are called the bride of Christ. We should, too, anticipate his coming and be counting down for him. Um, now, I'm going to let you in on another little secret. Um, when my husband's out of town, we don't do a lot. Um, it's kind of like we just survive. We don't do laundry unless there is no more laundry to wear. Um, we have cereal and pizza, like every night for dinner. Um, very little. But since we know when he's coming home, that last day before he comes home, it is an all-hands-on-deck. And the two boys and I do everything. You have bathrooms. You have floors. I'll do the kitchen until the house is spick and span and it is prepared and ready for dad to walk in that door. Um, unfortunately, we do this with our faith and we get into a routine and we take for granted that we don't know when Christ will come back. Um, look at Matthew 24 with me. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. We don't know. There will be no warning. And we always have to be ready. Our anticipation makes us want to prepare for his coming kingdom, and this brings God glory. How do we prepare for his kingdom? We start at the beginning. It is a crescendo of worship that starts with us singing his praises to the nations. It grows as we together worship him, give him glory, and learn about who he is. And we repeat this daily until one day it culminates in his kingdom and all of creation will worship him together. Um, look with me at Philippians. Philippians 2 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What a glorious day that will be. Um, so I want to read this psalm one more time for you. And as I do, what I would like is for you to close your eyes um, and take a minute and picture what it might have been like for the Israelites as they saw the ark coming into Jerusalem and they heard David reading these words. And then picture all of creation from the very beginning bowing together before Christ, our King, and worshiping him all together. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. 
Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Because the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Pray with me, please. Dear God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us so much and for sending us your son. Um, thank you for everything that you've done and for the blessings that you give us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.